0: to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host Sabrina Merchant and I am joined today by Austin Green to talk about a basketball game that the Lakers played. Austin, how are you doing?
1: Uh that game was a game that happened. <laughs> um I've seen, you know, I I've definitely seen of less disastrous games to for uh, a guy to make his SSR podcast debut on but uh, oh yeah I'll take what I can get
0: My bad Austin I did not realize that you were making your debut today I'm so sorry that the Lakers did not oblige and make this as delightful as possible for you um I mean to be clear like we were all preparing for an Alex Caruso revenge game and completely overlooked the possibility of a Lonzo Ball revenge game
1: uh, Alonzo Ball revenge game at uh, DeMar DeRozan <laughs> revenge game for the Lakers not signing him this summer. Uh, a Zach Levine revenge game for, I don't know, just being from L.A. Apparently uh, the Lakers
0: not drafting him in 2014. That's the Zach Levine revenge game. <laughs> it's
1: basically take the entire Bulls roster and Photoshop them onto the Michael Jordan and I took that personally mean. Yeah. And that Remember- much- <laughs> game
0: remember how excited the Lakers got last year and like the last two years, every time they went to Chicago and it's like, ah, oh, AD is a Chicago boy and TH is a Chicago boy. And they really played up that angle. And apparently the bulls did not like that.
1: <laughs> no kidding. I'll always remember the game when like, it was very early on in the 2019, 20 season and they went into that, uh, they were down like by like 20 or something, mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago and stormed back and won. And that was like the first moment I realized, okay, this team is a title contender. And now uh, it's an interesting contrast against this game because <laughs> I, you felt like coming in, like you knew this could happen. And, uh, you know, I don't think this loss is as bad. <laughs> it's always bad when you're saying that an 18 point loss, isn't the worst that you've seen lately. Mm. Um, but that. It, you know, the bulls are playing really good basketball right now. I don't think this loss is like as humiliating as the Timberwolves one was, but it was still really True.
0: bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I would much rather talk about Quinn cook and Kyle Kuzma from that 2019 game that you're talking about. I remember it very well, but I, I guess we are obligated to talk about this one. Um, Chicago is the seventh team to come into Los Angeles this year and do the Clippers Lakers double the first one to get both games. Um, I was hoping that would not be the case after they beat the Clippers last night, that they would just follow the pattern of everybody else who has done this double. Um, It became very clear early that the Bulls were just kind of a really good time today. Um, We talk a lot about how the Lakers shooting has been so much better this year. Uh, Every time Mello shoots, every time Ellington shoots, every time Monk shoots, you think, oh, this has a great chance of going in. And the Bulls like sucked all of the mojo out of that right from the start. I think Lonzo ended up hitting more threes than the Lakers collectively, or at least that was the case during the competitive portion of the game. Um, Yeah, the Lakers ended the game with six made threes out of 32 attempts, and Lonzo had seven made threes out of 10 attempts. Um, So all those things about Lonzo not being able to shoot and why he wasn't a good fit next to LeBron James seem very, very silly now, but...
1: Uh, I saw something recently that said like Lonzo Ball becoming as good of a shooter as he is, which is he's uh shooting 41.6% from three right now, which is mm-hmm. nuts when you consider where he was his first couple seasons with the Lakers. Like that is absurd. Um, and the fact that like he's been able to develop his shots so well, first of all, it says amazing things about him, and I think mm-hmm he should be given a lot more credit for that. But also it says some things about uh, a certain other shooting deficient point guard, uh, who has yet to play a game in Philadelphia this year. And that's all <laughs> I'm going to say about that.
0: I thought you were going to say something about another shooting deficient UCLA point guard who appeared in this game, but no, no we're not going that direction. <laughs> well, I mean, he did it. Okay. Well, we could talk I about, I actually Russ. thought, I actually thought this was a very good Russ game to start. At least he was the only one of the Lakers who could break the paint. Um, no matter how many times they tried to get Anthony Davis, the ball on the roll that didn't quite work. The post-ups were abject disaster. Um, I think Russ was the only person really keeping the Lakers in the game at the start. uh, Even if that three ball wasn't working, which I don't expect it to for Russell Westbrook. I expect him to be, you know, the roller, the dynamic force getting downhill. And I thought it was pretty good Russ game in that respect. I mean, nine to 10 from the free throw line, eight assists, you know, to four turnovers. This is, this is a pretty decent Russ performance as far as I'm considered. And it was the rare occasion where the other half of the Lakers superstar duo let him down rather than Russell being the problem them. But you wanted to say something about Westbrook.
1: Yeah, no, I think you said everything I was going to say. I mm-hmm. thought, I mean, I thought this was a good, it wasn't was a, wasn't a great Russ game, but it was a decent Russ game, 25 mm-hmm. points uh, highest on the team. Uh, he really did seem, there was a stretch where the Bulls were kind of pulling away late in the first quarter. He subbed back in, got two quick buckets, kind of settled... Settled down, got the Lakers back into it. This was still a pretty competitive first half, but Lakers always kind of remained within striking distance. And I think that a lot has to do with how well Russ was playing. Um, He was hitting pra- practically everything he took from mid range, which obviously was never going to be sustainable, but then uh, was also able to get to the paint pretty well. Always um, sticks from three, obviously never a good look, but at the end of the day, like, I'm okay with this rust game in the context of, like you said, Anthony Davis playing like Anthony Davis, and mm-hmm. you have to also credit Billy Donovan's uh, strategy here, which was clearly playing with a very undersized defense with no um, Vucevic, who's in COVID protocol, swarming the absolute hell out of AD. Uh, making sure that there was always he was always getting double teamed every single time he caught the ball in the post. Um, often doing that with guys who are really, really good at closing back out when he uh, you know, especially of course Alex Caruso, who are very good at closing back out when he passes out of that double team. I thought was just genius. And clearly the like the Lakers had no answer for it. AD had no answer for it. We saw how frustrated he got, obviously. Uh um, given what happened at the end of the third quarter, but I thought it was just a master class in coaching from Billy Donovan in terms of like seeing what personality he had and adjusting to basically contain one of the best big men in the NBA.
0: Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because, you know, this is a back-to-back for the Bulls and they played the Clippers last night who really don't have inside forces to speak of, like with all due respect to former Laker of Zubach, but to go from everything they did against Paul George last night to doing this against Anthony Davis, I think just speaks to a very well coached, like you said, defensive team and just a very solidly executing team that was able to change their game plan, like on a dime. And I'm, I'm just looking at Caruso's stat line right now. And it's so perfectly Alex Caruso, um zero points and plus 28 in his minutes
1: he did have a he did have a revenge game that is the alex caruso version of a revenge game
0: he took one shot from the field the entire night um ends with you know six rebounds and five assists so that's nice but just the zero and the 28 right next to each other is so wonderfully alex caruso um if we'll just take a break from the game for a second. I wanted to talk about the Alex Caruso tribute video because this has to be the only tribute video in NBA history to include G League highlights, a post-game speech that Alex Caruso made to the South Bay Lakers, and Summer League highlights of Alex Caruso when they won the 2017 Summer League title. Now, I'm not complaining, some of my very favorite Alex Caruso moments, but what deep pulls for this video... (laughs)
1: I think the Lakers spent all the money they saved on the on not paying the luxury tax on Alex Caruso towards the Alex Caruso tribute video. That's my, that, that's, that's my conspiracy theory. Um, no, I thought it was actually very well done. Uh, some great reaches. Shout out to the Lakers uh, video production team for pulling that together. Shout out to Spectrum also for staying on that, not cutting to commercial uh, and forcing everyone to kind of see it, half watch it on social media. Uh, during the resumption of play when it gets tweeted out. Um mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought it was marvelously done. It's funny. Uh right before we went uh to record here, I saw that LeBron quote tweeted the Lakers tweet of the video with just a goat emoji, which interesting considering the context through which Caruso left. Not that there was any like actual bad blood between mm-hmm. LeBron and Caruso, but clear I mean we all know the power that LeBron has over this roster. Clearly, if he lobbied hard enough, it's hard to see how Caruso wouldn't stay on the Lakers, but it's at least nice to see that, like, there's still a bond and there's still some mutual respect there between uh, LeBron and Caruso, of course, Davis and Caruso as well. I know LeBron and uh, Caruso also got a chance to dap up uh, at some point during the game. So. Yeah, Probably I mean, should I'd
0: mention that they dapped up immediately after the video aired, which happened hmm. to be at the exact same time that Anthony Davis was picking up a technical foul after having fouled DeMar DeRozan on that three point shot. So you have this dichotomy of LeBron and Caruso hugging one another while Davis is fuming on the screen because he's looking at the ref. That it about looks sum- like he was upset up- at LeBron for hugging Caruso, even though it wasn't the case.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that about sums up the game uh i think that and then also the moment where ad catches a lob falls down falls out of his shoe and and falls out of bounds to commit a turnover can't get his shoe on in time then yells at the ref for starting play after you know before he can get his shoe on getting teed up again and getting ejected from that that uh yeah ad is not gonna remember this game very fondly but uh you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds, especially because we've seen how uh, he's kind of losing his patience a bit. He's kind of getting to the end of his rope in terms of um, what he wants this team to be and how far it has to go. And we're seeing some of that, you know, that maybe pressure of, you know, we've heard a lot about how the Lakers veterans really wanted to step up and lead. And it seems like he's, kind of in this mentality right now where it's like okay you want me to lead i'm gonna lead and he's gonna you know he's not gonna shy away he's not gonna defer to lebron it seems like he's gonna be the one getting very animated and very um very frustrated when this team isn't performing the way uh he thinks it can
0: well let's talk about anthony davis for a second because um just from looking at the lineups, you would think, okay, no Vucevic, no Patrick Williams. Uh, they're starting Tony Bradley. They have no other players on the Bulls who are essentially taller than six seven on this roster. So this is a game where Ad should be able to eat, right? And he likes playing the Bulls. He likes playing his hometown team. W- what do you think went wrong for Anthony Davis in this one? Like, obviously, we've talked about his inability to catch the ball and like post up, and that's just never really been Davis's game. He's not great at passing out of the doubles, and the way they were swarming him on those traps, like, was just impossible to deal with. But like, what do you think the Lakers should have done to try to combat that? Or like, what were you hoping to see from Anthony Davis that we didn't get to see in this game?
1: I think I would have liked to see him be, and I know, like you said, this isn't really his game, but just be a little more physical on those post stuff. It's like, he has several inches on these guys, even mm-hmm. when he's double teamed. And at some point he's just got to fight his way, get fight his way to the basket and get in and get physical. Aside from that, I mean, there's not much you can do the Lakers tried a bunch of different things to get him involved you know they tried throwing him lobs uh gaining him the ball in motion they tried again of course posting him up and the Bulls to their credit played really 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 stellar defense so you know I when I saw how well that defensive scheme was working on him I didn't think that He was going to break out in, you know, the second half or whatever, and start having this monster game. But I would have liked to see him just be a little more patient in terms of just like finding a post move, just to get around the guy, get to the hoop, get him for a layup, see if you can just, you know, muscle guy out of the way without, you know, committing uh, an offensive foul. And I just felt like he was just never able to be that aggressive for whatever reason. Um, and you know, to their credit, the bulls knew well coming in that that's not his game. And so they made him either make someone else beat them. I wrote, I kind of wrote this in my recap too, but they, uh, you know, their plan was very simple. Like don't make AD beat you at what he's good at either make him do something he's not comfortable doing or make someone else beat you. And a lot of times, I mean, the Lakers have a pretty good group of role players when it comes to three-point shooting at least they had an off night and the bulls took full advantage of that and this mm-hmm. was the game where they really cannot afford to have an off night and they did uh, yeah and- there
0: were a number of instances where i thought like 80 made the right pass out and hit the right three-point shooter and that the shot just didn't go in and that's a calculated risk you're going to take if you're the bulls um and i i assume the lakers are probably pretty happy with a lot of the shots that did get taken they just didn't work out. Um, I also feel like the guards take a little bit of responsibility because if you're throwing 80 an entry pass and he's sitting at the elbow, like what, what is the point of that? Like he can dribble up there himself. <laughs> and, um, some of these, uh, pick and roll passes that they threw were just asking to be deflected. Like I'm thinking of one in the second quarter, that monk threw to 80, that was like probably six cents short of where it needed to be. And the bulls were just able to swat it out of the air. Um, like that, that needs to get better because I, I understand why like the post-ups are not, AD's particular cup of tea, but like him as a roller, like they should have been able to go over the top of the Bulls' defense every single time because AD is like four inches taller than like Derrick Jones Jr. and he's taller than Tony Bradley. Like that should have been an option, and the fact that that wasn't exploited was very frustrating to watch because like there are advantages to being a six-seven and under team that switches everything, and like we saw that on the post-ups. But I mean, we've seen AD take it to smaller teams before, like the way he played against the Houston Rockets about a year ago at this time, like notably comes to mind. So that was frustrating. I understand like if the Lakers had their best passer available, you know, if LeBron's here, it's an entirely different game, but uh, unfortunately, yeah. LeBron hasn't been here for the majority of the games. And it's, I had this like strange realization while I was watching the game today where was like, oh yeah, the Lakers are missing their best player. That's why everything looks so terrible. But at the same time, like it shouldn't look this terrible. <laughs>
1: The whole point you assemble a big three like this is mm-hmm. so like, I'm not saying they should, you can never replace LeBron James, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't look this terrible against. And granted the bulls are a pretty good team this year, but they shouldn't look this terrible semi consistently. I mean, we've mm-hmm. now seen two horrific blown leads to the thunder. We've seen the monstrosity against the Timberwolves. Um, the Lakers are now uh, 0-2 in their city jerseys, which I like the city jerseys, but, man, maybe they kind of
0: have to go. Burn them. a
1: horrible, <laughs> horrible start for them. Um, and I'm a fan of them. I love when the Lakers go retro uh, and add some of the classic baby blue in there. But, my gosh, like if they keep playing like this in those jerseys, uh, something something has to be done.
0: It's a shame because I feel like they've really knocked them out of the park the last couple of years. And I understand that Nike needs to make a new one every single year. But if we could just recycle like the black ones or the the dark blue ones from a year ago, which I thought were excellent. um, It just I'm not going to have any positive associations with these purple uniforms because. Not just two losses, two objectively horrible losses for the Lakers to start things off. And like you said, this one was much better than the Minnesota game because Chicago is a good team and they've had a lot of good wins this year. They've beaten Brooklyn, they've beaten Dallas, like Utah, Clippers last night. The Lakers are not alone in having succumbed to this Bulls team, even without Vucevic, but goodness gracious, like they're going to need to win their next game by like 50 points for anyone to have faith in these purple uniforms again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it just you kind of saw this coming a bit. I think just because of how well the Bulls have been playing, even without Vucevic, um, how well they've been defending things, and no small part to Alex Caruso, uh, mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. And I I won't say I was surprised, but man, it is kind of horrifying. I mean, I feel I would not want to be the Lakers marketing team tonight, rolling out these really really good jerseys, which you know. NBA, the, the city edition jerseys, they're kind of meant to create a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the fact that this team that Lakers marketing or whoever's behind the jerseys kind of like stuck the landing with these. And then the Lakers themselves come out and play their two worst non-Thunder games <laughs> of the season against uh, in these jerseys. Uh, I, 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 I feel bad for Lakers marketing all the good folks over there.
0: Yeah, not exactly the uh, debut you want to make for a new piece of material that you're trying to sell, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, (laughs) I'm looking through the quotes of post-game press conference as they roll in, and Frank Vogel has said that LeBron is day-to-day. The Lakers do play Milwaukee on Wednesday. Uh, Unclear if Giannis is even going to be available for that game because I know he has an ankle issue that he has been dealing with for the Bucs. If the if the Bucks were the Lakers and there's no Giannis and no LeBron, like poor ESPN, like talk about marketing things that just aren't gonna pay off.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. man. Yeah, that that would be uh that would that would be especially brutal because that game would yeah.
0: Well assuming sorry, go,
1: sorry, go ahead. I no, I was just gonna say that's one of those that's one of those ones you just circle like when the schedule comes out and be robbed of that, even, you know, aside from, uh, ESPN's ratings going spiraling downward. Uh, if there's no LeBron and no Giannis, uh, just, you know, as an NBA fan, like that's the matchup you really want to see. And to only possibly see that maybe once this year is, uh, uh, is a huge bummer for sure.
0: Yeah. It's frustrating. Um, so let's just uh, end it here. Uh, Lakers got off to a a terrible start in this game. And I believe it's the second game that they have used this starting lineup of Russell Westbrook, Avery Bradley, Talon Horton Tucker, Mello, and AD. How do you feel about this starting five? I know it's kind of a loaded question considering we've only played two games, but, uh, you know, Frank's obviously done a lot of tinkering thus far with the starting five. I mean, opening night starters, DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore didn't even get in until mop-up duty today. So there is you know, a lot of optionality in play here, but what do you think? Do you, do you like the five as it is? Is there any change that you would make before LeBron comes back? I mean,
1: I, I it's hard for me to say that there's like some obvious easy fix. I think it is something to be aware of that vogel the need to make such a drastic lineup change. Um, You know, they kind of bring back Taylor and Horton Tucker kind of suddenly after, you know, all the public comments made it seem like he's going to be out for a little while longer. Uh-huh. They put mellow in the lineup after um, Vogel says, you know, we really like him coming off the bench, which, un- you know, understandably he's been very good there. I feel like I don't hate the- this lineup. I think it's kind of the best with the available options, maybe, maybe swap in. And obviously this is, I don't think this is like a huge upgrade, but maybe swapping like a Malik Monk for an Avery Bradley or something. Uh, But I have a tough time. I I definitely like this lineup a lot better than the opening night Baysmore Jordan lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it is interesting that Vogel made such drastic change at this juncture in the season when it's clear he's only got another year on this contract and David Fizdale is sitting right next to him on the bench I'm that's all I'm gonna say about that um uh I I mean I kind of wrote this in my recap too they just need LeBron back I don't see any other kind of fix or anything else that's going to make this team click or even have a remote chance of making this team click than getting LeBron James back
0: yeah, I mean, maybe Frank should just change the group that comes out in the third quarter because the first quarters have been fine, um, but third quarters have been terrible. Uh, the Lakers presently rank 15th, I'm sorry, 29th in the NBA through 15 games. And their third going say 15th rating. is
1: way more impressive. Yeah, than I, I, I was looking
0: at the 15 as the number of games they played. Sorry, they ranked 29th because they've been outscored by 23 points for 100 possessions during third quarters, which is which is really, really bad. Uh, Just in case that was unclear, that is an astronomical amount to be outscored by. Strange because, you know, their first quarters are pretty good. They're plus seven, you know, net rating wise in the first quarters. So it's not like it's a lineup thing because they use the same rotations, presumably at the beginning of the game as they do in the third quarter. It's just that opposing coaches are making adjustments and the Lakers are not, which I think Frank Vogel deserves a lot more credit than he's been given thus far. In terms of the Lakers' performance, you know, over the last three years, really, this particular thing, not a good look for <laughs> him.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. it's really not. And it's clear that, I mean, Anthony Davis has gone on the record and talked about that lack of adjustments and that lack of adjusting uh, kind of multiple times now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, comes of that. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think that there clearly needs to be some sort of, even if you don't change the personnel, like some sort of like revised plan of action in terms of how you attack their defense, how you attack, um, um, how you get guys open, how you get good shots, because that doesn't seem to be working. I mean, the, the defensive end, this is not. Personnel wise, this is not a good defensive team. It will become a much better defensive team when LeBron and hopefully knock on with Trevor Risa get back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that'll fix everything, but it'll be it should be at least a little more serviceable, getting THT back. I think you've seen a noticeable difference. Even in today's game, um, I will say like a lot of the shots DeRozan made were pretty well defended. Um, when THT was on him, when Anthony Davis was on him. Uh so like I am a little bit more optimistic for their defense, but the uh, some the offense just needs needs a fresh look in the third quarter, and right now it just doesn't seem to be getting any be getting any of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I- I'm kind of with you. Like I thought the Bulls just made a lot of tough shots today. Zach Levine could not miss at the beginning. Demar is a particularly challenging player to guard because he wants to take shots in the zones that you're willing to concede from, and. Just, it's so easy for him to get comfortable there because you start off the game thinking, okay, oh, hey, yeah, like, let let him walk into a long two, and then he starts rolling, and then everything is just working for him. Um, just fascinating player, really. Like the closest analog to a Kobe's footwork that I see in the modern NBA, which is it makes him really fun to watch. Uh, less so today, but you know, makes him really fun to watch on a regular basis. Uh, I thought but, yeah, he I,
1: for a second, just thinking, I think he had like thirty six or thirty eight. He barely. Yeah. So he had 38 through his first three quarters and just made me think of the Kobe 63 three quarters (laughs) game a little bit because I figured he'd come out and the Lakers made a little mini run in the fourth to get it within 15 and they put Donovan put the stars back in for a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, just obviously the Kobe connection as well watching him uh, has a bunch of Kobe's now. Uh, there's a great article by Brian Windhorst at ESPN talking about kind of Kobe's as a commodity. And so little for full circle moment, I'm happy for DeRozan. Rosen um, very little else to be happy about tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, just to go back to the question that I'd originally asked you, I, I'm kind of at the point where I'd want to put Ellington or Monk in place of Bradley in the starting lineup. Uh, I mean, defensively, the Lakers starting five has been pretty decent, um, but I'm kind of overrated Bradley like it's just uh, you got, you, he's had a couple of nice going, games was,
1: he was kind of an emergency signing mm-hmm. pretty much because this team was so hurt now as guys get healthy you know there was rumors that if I'm not mistaken that Wayne Ellington was going to be possibly in this in the starting lineup or at least contend for a starting spot so that's interesting. So I, yeah, I want mine to see Wayne Ellington, get more star level minutes, getting more rhythm three. I'm a thousand percent with you.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, I had forgotten about that original report from the athletic, that the starting five was supposed to be the big three plus um, Ariza and Ellington. And obviously Ariza and Ellington did not start off the season healthy, which is what put the kibosh on that plan, you know, to begin with. Um, but I've been relatively pleased with Ellington. I mean, uh, I don't think Avery Bradley is like some ACE defender by any stretch of the imagination. Like maybe at one point he was pretty decent, but he's not at that defensive peak that he once was, you know, given the, the hip injuries that he's suffered since his Boston time, but uh, it's <sighs> something's just a mock with the Lakers right now. I mean, the fact that Anthony Davis gets ejected in the third quarter for trying to tie his shoe and then just not talk to the media post game. And um like LeBron is sitting here just quote tweeting nice things about Alex Caruso. (laughs) It's uh, the vibes are not great, let's say. And uh, I'm not sure that any one thing is going to fix that other than LeBron coming back and the Lakers just kicking ass for a couple of games, which unfortunately gets a lot harder now because the Lakers were, you know, everyone far and wide was talking about how easy the first part of their schedule was. Well, those first 15 games are up. And the Lakers are eight and seven after those first 15 games. And now the fun part starts. Uh, So maybe that'll wake up the Lakers, you know, um, they like a week ago at this time, I was thinking about how badly they were going to lose to Miami on national television. And they ended up, you know, eking out that game in overtime. So I I don't think that this is a team that's just going to quit, but at the same time, like every time it seems like they have their backs against the walls and have a great moment that sort of galvanizes the team, then it's just an immediate drop back the next game, right? Like they have this great win against Miami and then blow it against Minnesota. And then they have a pretty solid win against San Antonio that, you know, knock and wood did not have to go into overtime. Huzzah. And then they come out and like basically no show against the bulls. So this alternating pattern of good and bad performances just really isn't going to cut it, especially once the going gets tougher. Uh, And I just have a hard time seeing that being addressed until LeBron comes back. Just one last question before we get out of here. Do you think LeBron comes back or Frank Vogel gets fired first?
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, um, Depends on who you ask. Uh, (laughs) I'm not Rich Paul, so Mm. I can't say for sure. Um, If I was Rich Paul, I'm probably watching the rerun of the concert last night. But uh, Mm. um, uh, I think LeBron does come back first. That said, I could see Frank Vogel getting easily getting fired by New Year's. New Year's, okay. And I don't think that I don't think that's that much of a hot take. No, I don't think so either. I think we're at the point where LeBron's remembering back in you know late 15, early 16, when the Cavs were kind of sputtering and making that change from Blatt to uh Tyloo, yeah. Uh, kind of helped galvanize the Cavs a little bit, and you have the LeBron confidant, associate head coach sitting right there. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. But
0: yeah, it's it's funny to think about the Cavs sputtering. I believe they were in first place in the East at that time. They were no, a, they were still a good, much LeBron, better place than the Lakers find themselves they, the, in- That <laughs> Cavs
1: team was already a lot better than this yeah. team is now. But you know, I think. Part of the thing is, it's interesting to see how much LeBron, like I'm not saying LeBron's not motivated, but I think we forget like just how maniacal he was about getting Cleveland that championship back then. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think it's humanly possible and certainly not healthy to be that maniacally motivated like every single year. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean this as a slight when I say, I'm not sure if he's as, especially now that he's already won a title as a Laker, like as motivated right now. So I, I'm curious to see how that factors in.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like he's already won a title with the Lakers. There isn't this pressing urgency to win another one, even if the validity of that title is challenged among the you know Twitterverse. But hey, <laughs> banner still hangs. The banner rings have been presented. The <laughs>
1: banner still hangs too. By the, the way. Banner
0: still hangs. All right. The Lakers lose by 18. Uh, Taylor and Horton Tucker tacked on a ton of points in garbage time. So if you have him on your fantasy team, kudos. And uh, Austin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you want to read Austin's work, make sure to check him out on SilverscreenRoll.com, where he just recap this game and is talking about the Lakers all the time. And make sure you're subscribed to the silver screen Roll podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back tomorrow. <music> it get it get it get get get